Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I am so honored to have Sherry Fink with us on the show. Sherry Fink is an inspirational speaker, number one best-selling author, mermaid who believes in magic, and president of Whimsical World. Whimsical World is an empowering brand created by number one best-selling authors and inspirational speakers, Sherry Fink and Derek Taylor Kent. Whimsical World's mission is to inspire, delight, and educate children of all ages while planting seeds of self-esteem and high achievement. Sherry loves to write 10 books so far and travels the world inspiring audiences of all ages to believe in themselves, dream bigger dreams, and take action to live their best lives. CBS Los Angeles selected her as one of the top three authors in her local area, a distinction she shares with Dean Koontz. Sherry's books have been honored with multiple awards, including three gold medals in the Reader's Favorite International Book Awards. She is a recipient of the prestigious Gold Mom's Choice Award, honoring the best in family-friendly entertainment. She was selected as an inspirational beauty by supermodel Cindy Crawford's Beauties Give Back campaign. So discover more about Sherry at www.sherryfink.com. But we've got her all to ourselves in this podcast hour. So introduce yourself, Sherry. Hi, it's so nice to be here. You can't see me, but I have a huge grin on my face. <laughs> I can hear it. That's the thing. People say that they can hear me smiling too. I can, I can hear your smile through this. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's exciting to, to be here and chat with you. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, I am a person who believes anything is possible and I'm living proof of it. And I'm hoping that by sharing some of my story with you and your listeners today, that they will walk away feeling inspired and empowered and willing to take the risks that they need to in order to live the the impossible dream, so to speak. (laughs) Right. So did you always know that you wanted to be an author? Like did, what was your major in college? What was, what was your plan when Um, you were setting out? Well, I think like most people, <laughs> it's a path of serendipity. Yeah, hey. <laughs> it was a winding mountain road. <laughs> and at first, uh, well, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a lot of things. I wanted to be a writer, a teacher, a mother, a princess, and a mermaid. Might as well. <laughs> and I was determined I was going to be all of those things. But um, as a grown-up, so, you know, I, I kind of had lost track of, of those ambitions because when I was growing up in rural Virginia, my family worked really, really hard and we had food on the table, but we didn't have money for things like new books and new clothes and toys and trips and, and all of that. So I was always focusing on my own little businesses. I was trying to 
earn money for the, the family. And that was incredibly embarrassing to my family. <laughs> and but I never inst- understood why. <laughs> but it instilled a work ethic in you early on that now I know you exactly. appreciate. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going door to door and making little greeting cards and selling them. And I was making um, wreaths. I had a bracelet braiding company. I, I mean, I was doing all these entrepreneurial things, but no one in my family was entrepreneurial. They had never seen someone like that. So it was kind of like, all right, what's wrong with this kid? Like, why can't she play like a normal kid? You know, even my Barbies were starting businesses. Like, <laughs> uh, well, so, the, so you're talking about planting seeds. There was a seed planted on in you early on. Yes, yes. And my mom, she told me that I was going to be the first person in our family to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what college was at that time, but I could tell it was really important by the way she talked about it to me. Once. So so I kind of put aside my creative entrepreneurial efforts and I focused on doing really well in school because I needed to get the golden ticket of a partial scholarship in order to go. And I did. And so when I got to college, I was really fascinated with what motivated people's behaviors. So originally I majored in psychology. Then I got halfway through that program and realized uh, after doing some shadowing of other people who were in the psychological uh, field that I really didn't feel like I wanted to go into clinical and I was Mm -hmm. considering industrial, but it just didn't feel like a good fit for me. And I remember meeting with my, my counselor at the school and my advisor and was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm fascinated by this stuff, but I didn't like any of these careers. None of these jobs excite me. And uh, ultimately, we ended up talking more about, like, what I like. And I, I really was into media. I, I like pop culture. I'm really fascinated by what inspires people and gets them excited and gets them lined up in a bookstore at midnight for the release of a book. And you know, those types of things are really fascinating to me. So I ended up majoring in communication with a minor in psychology. Then I was in the corporate world for a short while and decided, I really want to learn more about e-commerce. I I had this idea back before everybody had it. I want to do an online magazine. And this was way before social media. And I, I just had this vision. I wanted to go and do cool things and I wanted to write about it. And so in support of that, I ended up getting a master's degree. And Did you do communications again? Did you go that route? Well, it was really e-commerce, but e-commerce was in its infancy. So at the time, the degree program was still called telecommunications. (laughs) Okay. But they patched it together for me. Like I I had classes in law and I had all these things. And my thesis was on digital rights management back when the peer-to-peer networks like Napster were exploding. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they had actually imploded by the time I I finished that dissertation. But, you know, all these things were um, happening that were really exciting for me with the explosion of the internet. And so I kind of followed that path. And then I wanted to get into multimedia because I had trained myself how to do things like HTML and Uh, I was taking graphic design lessons and I was teaching at the college, like teaching adults how to do web stuff. And, um, and that was pretty cool. And so I got into multimedia and graphic design and and moved up that way. And that ultimately led me to marketing and marketing is amazing. Yes. And, and I believe that you have it like down pat, like expertise. And we're looking to you right now. Because the way you have branded yourself, so did you 
you just naturally navigated towards marketing and now it shows with your work. It just transferred all over into your author world. Yeah, I think what I learned the most in the corporate world doing marketing, because I did a lot of different facets of it and I climbed my way up the ladder, I, I learned that consumer behavior evolves. So one of the great things about my entrepreneurial background is that I'm not afraid to take chances. You know, I know you have to test. And and when I was first learning about marketing, often I was in the position where I would be, you know, the lowest person on the totem pole and I would go to the the highest person on the totem pole and say, look, I've been studying this and I've discovered this. I think if we try this, we might get this result. And I was really blessed to have people in leadership who were like, you know what, kid, that's just crazy enough. It might work. Like, why don't you try it? And then it would work. And then they give me more budget and more responsibility. And then I'd test more things and I would figure out what worked and I would put everything toward that. And I was growing and learning all the time. So I think that's really helped me as an author because I think a lot of times we're afraid to try things. Yes. And it builds you into a reflective practice. Yes. Yes. I have to see results. I don't do it just to do it. Like I. <laughs> but the thing is, is that if you don't do it, you won't know if it yields a result or not. That's right. And if so you don't you take the risk. To, and you have to figure out where's your best fit. You know, yes. what's, the, what's the best value that you can bring to this changing audience? Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of times I, I talk with so many authors and I think as a, as a breed, we seem to be generally afraid of marketing. Yes. Like it's a bad word, but yes. what I've discovered <laughs> is marketing is really just connecting. It's not even about the sell, the sales, like it is a connecting with people and inspiring them to care about and something and researching too. Like you have to put in the time to research the market trends and to do all of that and to learn where you fit into the grand scheme of things. See, I'm, I don't know, like I'm, it sounds weird, but I'm less concerned about the trends and I'm more interested in, in blazing a trail. Like uh, I making the trend, doing yeah, it. Yeah. It's Love. like, I want to do, I want, of course, I want to go to people where they already are. Like, for example, Facebook is where a lot of people who connect with me are. Mm -hmm. So I have to have a presence there. And I enjoy connecting with them there. It's been amazing for me. Um, very fulfilling. But I also want to take them where I want them to go. Right. You know, like I might meet them where they're at. And then if I, I don't know, it's, I just, I don't feel limited in the sense that I have to tailor my connection to a trend. Like I, right, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like that's um, that courageous spirit where yeah. you're saying, meet me here. I've got plans, follow me. And because you are such a good connector with people and you're, even when I see like what you're doing with LinkedIn, like that's how I first found you. Mm -hmm. And I could see your presence there and how many events you do and how much you're getting out there. And when I saw your patterns and what you were doing, I said, she's got this authentic way about her. Because, Thank you. Know, you. I, do you know how I knew? It wasn't just a smile on your face. It's the people that you have captured in some of your pictures. Some of the children, they are delighted. Yeah, they are magical. You can see, <laughs> but, but what I'm, but so kids are generally positive. Kids, you know, generally when they get around new people, but there's something about you can read the faces of the children and you can see joy. 
Thank you. And so that means that you've just had an authentic conversation. You've had an you've had a time to inspire them to where their their face is like lit up. And it's not like you said, make your face light up because this is the promo <laughs> shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. So yeah. That, I I don't know if you I mean, I notice like quirky little weird things. And yes, so me too. <laughs> when I see so when I see the pictures you know, sure, you know, I love that you're out there and you are the mermaid. Like you do take on, you know, you've got the colored hair and you've got the cool style. You've got that vibe going on. You've got the setup. You carry that with you. But it's it's not even that. It's the faces of the children. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I always say I'm really an eight-year-old girl at heart. (laughs) Well, all of those things. And they know. (laughs) Well, the things that you wanted when you were eight years old, you didn't lose that. And so by you writing these, you know, the children's series, you can connect with that. Yeah, it's true. And that stays alive because now you're out spreading all of that. It's the best job ever. So the Little Little Rose was your first Mm -hmm. in the series. And how was that process went? Because you wanted to do a magazine. You wanted, so you told me you wanted to do this online magazine. How did it go from that? Did you do the online magazine? I did uh, for about a year, and I was excited about it. But then all the real magazines got into the space, and then I was like, oh, well, I don't really have a lot to offer here. <laughs> okay, but you, know? you tried it. And it was before social media. So really what I was trying to do is a form of social media, but I was just doing it with no one following me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I know. I got you. I was posting the same kinds of content, (laughs) but in a space that nobody knew existed. (laughs) Right, right. And that's hard because if you don't have a place to promote it, it just kind of lays out there and can get lost. It's true. It's true. And, and the internet was in its infancy at that point. So you didn't have the massive numbers of people on it. And then the connection speed was slow and <laughs> it was just very limiting what you could do then. And it's not that long ago. It's pretty incredible. Like how much things have evolved where we're, you know, watching full length movies on our phones while we're waiting for things now. It's insane. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I, I just still didn't know I was going to be a writer. I mean, I was writing things for, for my companies, um, business and marketing stuff. And then, of course, in grad school, you do a lot of writing. But I didn't think I was going to be a writer. Uh-huh. I, I didn't even think of myself like that. It wasn't until I climbed the corporate ladder and, and I had gotten to the top. And I kept before I got there, I kept thinking, well, the next job or the next boss or the next company or whatever is going to be more fulfilling. Like, I'll just keep working hard. And once I get there, then it's going to feel the way I always dreamt it would. Oh, the when whole I was... grass is greener thing? Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, you keep thinking, it's something wrong with me. Like, I, I got to fix me and get up to the top. And then once I get there, then it's going to be good, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing was, like, once I got there, I was like, wow, okay, so I have the things I thought were important, like the the, the title and the, the travel and the clients and the perks and the money. But I really don't like doing this. Like I, I was good at it and I was heavily rewarded for it, but it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't fulfill me in a way that I expected it to. So I was doing a lot of soul searching. And during that time, I had this gift of adversity where I was being bullied by another woman in my office. Um, and it was horrible. And I, I didn't know what to do. Like I just, I wasn't equipped to handle that. Like I, 
I'm a natural cheerleader. I think everybody has the possibility that they could succeed and have their dreams. And I don't understand it when people aren't like that, like me, you know? Right. So I tried everything and nothing was working. And I just, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. But I, my mom had raised me not to run away. I had worked way too hard to get where I was. So I was just, I was desperate for a solution. And I was driving to work one day and and I remember I was bawling, like I was just crying so hard. And at the time, like I was in my head a lot. I wasn't, I, w- I wasn't commonly in my heart. And so this pushed me into that space. And I just remember being in the car on the way to work saying, help me. I will do anything to change this situation. And in that moment, this idea came to me about a rose that grows up in a weed bed. And because she's different, thinks that she's the weed. And it wrote through me in the car. It was written on the back of an envelope with a mini golf pencil oh. <laughs> at stoplights, you know, <laughs> Love it. safety first, <laughs> Yes, but-, but inspiration struck. And I, when I was a kid making uh, books and cards and things like that, I was thinking it, but in that moment, it didn't feel like I was thinking at all. It felt like it flowed right through me onto the paper and nothing like that had ever happened. And I didn't know any authors or artists or I didn't know anybody like that. So I was like, wow, that was a really crazy experience. Let me hide that in a drawer and never right. speak of it again. You know? Because you didn't have anybody around you that had pursued that career. So no exactly. family members. You had no family members. No one in your social circle that were authors. No, and I didn't want to tell them that this experience had happened because I thought they might think I was nuts, you know. <laughs> and so when you wrote it, how long did it take you to actually identify with it as, wait a minute, maybe somebody else can be inspired by this? More than a year. I, I had put it away. But, you know, I did make a really important decision on that day. I said, a year from now, I will be working for someone else, doing something else, or working for myself. You were always meant to be for yourself. I believe that. You were always meant to work for yourself. (laughs) Yes. And it took something big to push me out of that comfort zone to get into that space. But even then, I mean, I, for a year, I had this whole exit strategy. I saved up as much of my income as I could. I didn't go on vacations. I didn't, you know, I just, I was like saving like a squirrel, you know, putting it away, putting it away, putting it away. Um, I was trying to get the company in the best position possible for my departure and I ended up, I thought I was going to leave way before the, the 12 months were over, but I ended up waiting to the actual day to give in my resignation. I gave them my two weeks. And then the following week I was scheduled to go to a conference and I went, um, not representing the company, but for myself. And the first conversation I had was with a woman from Canada who randomly asked me about writing. I have no idea why she was asking me about that. It's just are so you, random. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh and, my and, gosh. I love this. I love how the spirit just knows and it connects people where they need to be. Yeah. It was just a, it, like, really, I do feel like I was divinely guided. I really do. There's just no way that everything would have lined up the way that it did. Cause she just um, randomly said something about writing. Yeah. She just assumed I was a writer. I had literally just met her 
And she's talking to me about something that she was writing and asking my opinion. And I was like, I don't really know. Like, you know, (laughs) were you an avid reader, though, at that point where she asked you could say, well, I read. I mean, or were you just Um, so busy caught up in the business side that you don't have a lot of time? You know, I was like pouring over self-development, self-help type books at that time. Okay, I couldn't get enough of them. I go to the library and get six or seven for a week. And then come back the following weekend and get a whole nother stack. I like reading everything that they had. I, I just couldn't believe that those books existed. I was like, where have you been my whole yeah, life? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> yep. you know, um, I didn't know people who thought that way before. And those books really opened me up to that side of life. And when I had that conversation with her, she asked me what I write. And I was like, well, I write business and marketing, boring stuff for companies, you know? And, and she's like, no, 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 you've got more. <gasps> and I remembered that story that was in the drawer that I didn't tell anybody about. Now I was still pretty self-protective because I had been bullied and my solution at the time was not to shine, which is never the right choice. Right. And so I got really flush in the cheeks and I remember my chest getting all red and I was like really kind of embarrassed and I felt like I was pushing to a corner and, and she was like, well, tell me the story. And I told her what I could remember. And she said, I just got goosebumps. You have to do something with that because my grandchildren need that message. Mm -hmm. And that's when the light bulb went off and I thought, maybe it's a children's book. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like it just, it was so tantalizing and terrifying at the same time. And she kept introducing me to people at the conference as the woman working on a children's book. Oh, wow. She helped you that. She helped you, though, solidify that identity. She just knew. She knew. It was so interesting. I, I, was, I, she, I think she's an earth angel. Like She just yeah. knew, and it pushed me in the right direction. And I have decided you, that I was going to do it, even though I had ever, no idea how. Have you ever contacted her since then? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, I'm yeah. saying of her being a part of your story, that was like an instrumental shift for you. Like, it was huge. Yeah. And so you didn't know how to do it. You just knew you were going to go after it. And you're resourceful to get get it done because now we're oh, yeah. 10 books later and more <laughs> going. So I know that. So, so you had it a year. You met her at a conference. So let me get into this timeline again because I find this extremely delightful. <laughs> So now after, after that, leaving that conference, I was on fire. Oh, you were empowered. I could not stop thinking about it. I was like, if I could help one kid to go into adulthood and not have to suffer the way that I put myself through the suffering, through this experience, it would be worth it. And I was so scared every single day. I was scared, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this thing. Like I'm the kind of person, like once I make up my mind, there is no changing it. Mm -hmm. And so I had no idea what to do. So I I started doing research and, you know, the the opinions online, there's content, but it's not always um, the most honest about the real deal experience and how they really did it. And, you know, I, I was just overwhelmed. And so I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this the way I want to do it. And I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to learn from them. I'm just going to keep moving forward. So within six months, uh, I had published my book, never done anything like that before. Uh, even with the marketing background, I had never marketed books, uh, or anything in that in education realm. 
Um, <laughs> and and then, so you, so did you go out and outsource? Because you said that you had the digital media background. Mm-hmm. So did that digital media background, did that then, it's almost like you were stacking, you know, like you were skill stacking, mm-hmm. not even realizing how that could then play over now into your author world, but to have that digital media coursework and that experience behind you did that help you develop the little rose or did you did you outsource everything because you just were like I'm gonna get somebody else to do this and help me um well I recognized that my gift was in online marketing and I had the vision for the book but I didn't know like I wasn't a professional editor I wasn't Mm a a illustrator you know I, I definitely couldn't print it on my own like I didn't know how to do any of those things. So at the time I was asking people, um, one of the things about me is I'm very much like you, Jen, I'm a natural connector. Like if I discover that you love something and I know the person who makes that thing, I'm inclined to say to you, oh my gosh, you love that thing. I know this person who makes that. Do you want me to connect you? Right. Would you like to talk to them? And I have been doing that my whole corporate career. And I've been very blessed to like be able to connect a lot of people with things that they loved. And I never asked for anything. I just, it didn't occur to me. I, right. <laughs> I never wanted anything Because at the time. this is what we do. Like yeah, I just can't help it. Cheerleader, you're the encourager and you yeah. want to see people successful. Yeah, I like yes. people to be happy, mm-hmm. you know, and if I can be a part of that, that makes me feel really good. So when I decided I was going to do this book... I reached out to people in my network and I said, who do you know who's done something like this? Who's a, who's a best-selling author? Um, and would you introduce me? And I gave them a little blurb about me that said, you know, my friend Sherry is working on children's book to help kids with their self-esteem. It deals with bullying, you know, that kind of thing and believing in yourself. Um, and I asked for 15 minutes of their time. And most people said yes. And mm-hmm. then I got on the phone and I kept my, my commitment to the 15 minutes unless they were generous and wanted to go over. Um, and I asked them, what did you do that worked? What did you do that didn't work? Um, what would you do differently knowing what you know now? And based on what you know my goals to be, is there anyone else you think I should talk to? And would you introduce me? Uh-huh. And, and then so you got I was, more connections and yeah. more advice. And I was learning from people who had actually done it. But the thing was, very few people had done it the way I wanted to because I was trying to go indie. I wanted to be 100% indie. I had come from the corporate environment where I had to get the mother may I all the time permission to do things. And even though, you know, they they blessed my proposals many times, like I was tired of that. And I was like, I don't want permission anymore. Like I just want to do it. But that's a trailblazer again. You wanting, you had your models, but you, you had the research models. You went out, you did your research, but you wanted to be the trailblazer of your own. You wanted to be, have that full ownership and autonomy. Yeah. I wanted to have the creative integrity of my work. Yes. I didn't want anything changed that didn't feel authentic to me. And I knew that if I waited too long, if I tried to go after the agent and then I tried to go after the publisher, it would take two, three years best, fastest possible route Mm -hmm. to get published. And I would chicken out by then. Like, <laughs> like, I'm standing on the edge of the diving board. I better jump. Like, you know, but <laughs> it's I think happening you, now or not at all. <laughs> you had the skills, though. You had that internal drive. You had the determination. And you had the concept. You had yeah, the good I, story. I was going to, I was, I was really stretching my comfort zone every day. Like, when I was on the phone with those people, my knees were knocking. Like, I was so scared. 
you know, and then I would go to these like um, business gatherings in my local community and I would stand up and I would tell people that I, my goal was to be a best-selling author and I feel so embarrassed about it, but you know, nobody was laughing at me and people would be like, oh, you know, you should talk to, you should talk to that person or, hey, have you thought about this? And some of those were dead ends, but it didn't matter. The fact was I was standing up and claiming my dream. Mm-hmm. And once I do that, I have accountability. Right. And when you said, instead of just saying, I want to be a writer, I want to be an author, you used, I want to be a best-selling author. Yeah. Because coming from the corporate world, I was all about metrics. And I thought, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it with excellence. And how can I measure that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, books are such a subjective thing. But I thought, oh, well, if you sell enough to be a bestseller, then that must mean that it's good enough for some people, a lot of people to read it. So I was like, well, I don't want to just be an author. I want to be a best-selling author. So that was my goal. And then when I released The Little Rose, um, two weeks later, it became a number one bestseller on Amazon. And then it stayed at number one for over 60 weeks. I read that. I read that 60 weeks. And I'm like, you go, girl. You go. Thank you. And I did zero paid marketing then. I did very few appearances because I was having extreme anxiety about telling my story about being bullied in the workplace. I, I was so embarrassed by it. I was very ashamed. And, and I, what I understand now is that that's the stuff that people need to hear. They need to hear the origin story because yeah. that's where we connect with your humanity. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this as an author or a writer, or you don't consider yourself a writer, but you're writing, you are a writer, yeah. own it. <laughs> yes. I tell them all the time. See, I can call it from someone else. <laughs> and just know that like the stuff that makes you human is not to be shunned it's the stuff that should be celebrated because we all have those experiences and every time I tell that story and I tell it very often every interview every speaking engagement every school visit like thousands and thousands and thousands of people have heard me tell that story and I will tell you Jen every single time I will get a letter or an email, or a direct message on Instagram or Facebook, or someone comes up to me at the end and says, me too. Mm-hmm. I've been dealing with that. My daughter's dealing with that. My cousin's dealing with that. My mother went through that. It's crazy. Yep. It's so common. And at the time, I didn't realize because I wasn't talking to people about it. So, you know, I think the thing that kept it going was word of mouth, but it's, it's from beyond me. Like I told you, like I'm divinely guided and I take the inspiration. So when I get those urges now, I don't ignore them. I had been getting urges in the corporate world for a long time to create something, but I was too afraid. And I think I had to have something this strong, like come into my life to push me out of that nest. <laughs> and so, do you, so with the rest of your books, was it kind of like that same inspiration or did you say, okay, I want to take this to the next stage. I want to have another book. I want to, you know, or did you just wait for the inspiration to hit? Did you have that publicity plan? Like, did you already have it already mapped out? How did you approach oh, that process? How did it I work? am a, you know how there's plotters and pantsers? Yes. What, what are you? I, I'm a pantser. <laughs> I, I, I was a plotter in the corporate world for sure. Like going into grad school, plotter, plotter, plotter. Yeah. But when it comes to this stuff, I am flying by the seat of my pants. I'm like, yeah. I one month into promoting The Little Rose after it was on the bestseller list and doing well, and I thought, check the box. I achieved that goal. 
I got another idea. And the little gnome kept popping into my head and I could see his rosy cheeks and his yellow hat and his little little outfit. Like I could see him and I was like, oh, not now. <laughs> I have to ride the marketing wave, you know, like I knew like that things have a certain shelf life and you got to promote during that period, right? But he kept coming and I was like, okay, let me sit down one day and just write the story. And I was nervous that I wouldn't be able to do it. Uh Because the other one came at such a time, like I was in such an emotional state when the other one came. But what I have learned about myself, at least, is that if I can create the space and the quiet and I can like do a meditation and kind of invite the creativity in, sometimes I can coax it to come through. (laughs) Because you've allowed your mind to kind of free itself. And it's difficult. It is difficult because the first time it just shot through me and the the other times I have to kind of encourage it. I have to like, you know, like I'm like trying to get a a wild deer to come over and sit at the table. I'm like, hey, I've got a cookie, you know. (laughs) And I think that's a lot of authors fear though. They don't want to be the one hit wonder. Like they don't want to be the ice ice baby and then go away. And then, you know, they want to continue. And then, but did you just write the little gnome? And you said, I can write this and I can promote the little rose. Or did you hold yourself back? Um, You know, I was like, let me do them both. Let me just do it. Like, obviously he's here. Let me just receive the story and see what's going to happen with it. And I, and I had moments, um, not a validation, but I had like very surreal experiences along the way, especially in the beginning when I was questioning myself that, um, kind of told me I was on the right path. And those moments when they would happen, like they would happen in a flash completely unexpectedly. Like, for example, uh, this is so random. Like I was at another conference in Fort Lauderdale and I was waiting in the lobby. I was getting ready to leave. It had been a week. I'd been there with some of my friends and um, learning new things. And, and this woman who I've never seen before came up to me and she grabbed both of my hands and she goes, you're a writer. And I was like, yes, I am. And, and I wasn't big, you know, like I, like very few people knew who I was still very few people know who I am, but it's good sometimes to be, you know, um, able to blend in, but she came up to me, she grabbed my hands and she had such warmth about her. I just remember her so well. And she says, you're, you're a writer. I was like, yes. She's like, you write books for kids. I said, that's true. And she goes, um, they're telling me that you channel your books. And I was like, oh, is that what that is? Because I don't know what it was. Like, I didn't know what to call it. Like, I, you know, like it's, it's kind of weird to tell people that yeah. you're not writing your stories yourself, you know? But um, I think as uh, everyone on the, the call can understand, like, that's how it happens, mm-hmm. right? It's it, in partnership with something mm-hmm. beyond you. And, mm-hmm. um, and you just have to why, let it come through. And that's why we call it a gift. Yes, but I yes. believe it's where where you are. You honor the story and the space that it lives in, and by yeah. you doing that, it's almost like there's a respectful relationship. You know, you honor me, you desire me. I also desire to be told. I know that this can impact a child. I know that this can make an, a, a difference and influence someone in a positive way. Just let me do my thing. And I think you've done that. Like you just let it be. 
Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm getting better at it too. Like it, over time, I think I'm getting better because I'm letting go of worrying about what other people think about it and yes. thinking more about how do I feel about it. How, and I think that's key. That's honoring the story and giving it the space where it needs to, to live. Just let it be. And then it'll yeah. all work itself. Yeah. And what I say to myself, um, well, not just to myself, I say, say to the divine, I say, dear God, please give me the inspiration and the vision and the courage to follow it. Oh, yes. And then when I get on stage, I say, please let whatever message is meant to come through me, come through me without my in- interference. Mm-hmm. And so because- all, of your, all of your events, do you still get that initial stage? Do you have any of those moments where you have the stage fright or did that communications? Again, I'm calling that skill stacking with you having that in your past. Has that, you know, or do you still get the nerves? <laughs> I always want to run in the opposite uh, direction. You can't see. And now, Leah, <laughs> you, you are like a role model to all of us. Guys, if you go on and look at her platforms, she is so impressive. And you have just a light about you when you're up and you're in front of people and you're around people and you seem so happy. Like, I love being there, but getting there oh. is where I get nervous. Like I... And I think it's, um, I'm, I'm a very shy person. Like I was incredibly introverted as a kid and I actually wrote a book about it. That's what the little seahorse is about, about being so bashful and missing out on friendships and opportunities and teamwork and all that. But I, um, I love empowering people. I love that moment and you can see it in their eyes when it clicks and it's like, I love it. I love moving an audience and like. I don't know. There's some, there's just, there's something very magical that happens. It's almost like this bubble gets around you and the audience and it's just, they're this so present in that moment. And it's just an energy that's being exchanged with each other. It's the best. But when I, before I get on stage, I get very nervous and I think it's because I care so much. Like Mm -hmm. I, I really want people to get something out of it. Not like I'm dependent upon their reaction, but more like, I don't want to waste people's time. Like, I don't like my time to be wasted. I get frustrated when people are just reading from a script or, you know, they're just phoning it in and you can tell they don't really feel anything about what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I never know exactly what's going to happen on stage. That's the other thing. It's like, I have, um, you know, obviously I know my own story and I know how things happened and whatever, but I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. So you have I don't memorized. have a script. You have it memorized. You don't have the note cards. I don't have it memorized. Do you and you don't carry a projector around, and you don't do all of the screen slides or anything to keep it you focused. Because I've seen authors. I went to a conference and I saw an author do that, and the only thing he had up were images, and I could tell mm-hmm. what he was doing. He was using those images to help keep him on track with with his you know with his story. Mm-hmm. So it's depending on where you are, and you'll do yes, that. yeah. Yes. Like if we're, if we're doing school visits, um, I like to have the PowerPoints mm-hmm. because the then everyone so can see the, uh-huh. the pictures from the books. And students you know, are so visual. Yeah. yeah. And I'm very visual too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like having that, um, but I've done it without it. I've gotten to places where the screen didn't get there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right. Well, I'm going to tap dance in front of all these people. <laughs> and I've never tap danced before. So right. yay. But, you know. So tell me what helps you push through that so if you could talk to all the listeners right now you know you're nervous it builds up every time 
What is it that helps you get over that though? And to continue to get the events and do, because I have a lot of people that say, I wish I was in schools. Like they'll message me because I'm in the school every day. So I'm a literacy coach at a high school. And so I have all of these connections at, you know, in schools. They're like, how do I make this happen? And then the next question is, and how do I overcome the fear when I start to stand in front of them? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, tell me who I need to contact, and then, t- and how do I work it? And then tell me how I overcome it. So help us know, like, what do you do to help push you through that? Um, well, I don't think you ever really overcome it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a few things for me that help me um, go for it anyway. And one is that knowing that it's normal. Um, I, I read somewhere that Bruce Springsteen almost throws up before every performance. Now I love Bruce Springsteen and I've seen him in concert multiple times. He's one of the best. Like he gives everything he has. He's fully present. He doesn't take breaks. He goes three, four hours long. His fans love him. And I've never seen anything quite like it. But for him to be performing thousands and thousands of times mm-hmm. in his lifetime and still to get nervous on that level before every performance, I'm like, okay, well, if it's okay for the boss, it's okay for me. See, I love um, that because you <laughs> research it, you know it, you know the models. You've got your models. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's, you know, I really re- admire him. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm in good company. It's okay. Yeah. Right. The and other it gets thing is easier with time too. I heard you say that about the writing. Is it like that with the events too? That it gets um, easier with time, or is it always? It depends because I'm never doing the same thing. I'm always pushing it. I think if I had done like a a canned talk, I'd probably feel fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm always doing new things. Like the OC Children's Book Festival is the largest children's book festival in the world. Like forty five thousand people came last year. And I was on the main stage with my husband and they were like, can you do something fun and innovative with the kids? And I'm like, sure. And then then I figure out what it is later. Right. And so I was on this thing called dancing with the South Bay stars, which was like a a local thing where I lived in LA and they chose a local quote unquote celebrity. And then you got a dancer and then you raise money for charity. And I was on the show. So they're like, can you do something with dancing? And I'm like, this is terrifying. Yes, I will do it. <laughs> so we did this whole thing, like incorporating these silly dance moves with our book and music. And I had never done anything like that before. I was terrified before I got on that stage. But the kids had the best time, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I think if you're pushing yourself and you're really, um, like, I want to do things that people have never seen before. I'm not interested in hiding behind a podium and reading from the book. Like that's not me. And that's boring to watch, especially if you're a kid. Mm -hmm. So I always want to um, strike that right balance between educating and entertaining them. And for me, I think part of it's saying that prayer, please let whatever's meant to come through me, come through me without my interference. Yes. And then also allowing myself the room, the grace to have the emotion because it's not about me. And that, and that's the thing is you have to remember, like when you're reaching out to schools, when you're doing performances, no matter where you are, what you're doing, you want to add value and you can't add value when you're criticizing yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think this is especially hard for women because we were taught, like we have to look a certain way and we have to be skinny or we have to suck it in or, you know, just whatever, this is my bad angle or whatever that crap is that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. If you're in your head. And you're thinking, oh, I look terrible today or 
oh, I got to walk to this side of the stage now. And like, oh, eye contact, eye contact, eye contact. <sighs> like if you're doing that in your head, your heart is not connecting with the hearts of your audience. Right. And you're not actually present. And you're not having fun either. It's right. horrible to do that to yourself. I've been there. I've done that. I don't like it. Right. So I try to get away from that and just say, I look the way I look today. I'm just going to go out and have the best time ever. I'm going to be the girl with the biggest smile in my face and in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to make a difference the best way I can. Even when I have a bad day, even when I've lost my voice. Now, I try to control conditions a little bit to give myself the best chance of having a great experience. Like, for example, my husband and I bring microphones everywhere we go. Okay. good. So if the venue does not have the microphone working, which happens more than you would think. Yes, because I'm, I'm on the other end of as an event planner at a school. So I will tell you, yes, that does happen. Oh, it's so stressful. Like, and they're like, well, we speak out loud to kids every day. We're teachers. I'm like, yeah, but you don't speak to 500 at a time, four times in a day, three times a week. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that's my, my role and I will lose my voice. So we have our equipment. We try to, um, you know, we try to make it really magical no matter what we're doing. We try not to just get there and, you know, put it together at the last second. Like for every, I like to say every hour that I'm on stage, there's eight hours preparing. Right. Right. I believe that. And I see that though, when I look at the pictures and I see the events that you're doing, you have it like immaculate. Like you have the model of how to present when you're going out. So all, Thank of, you. all of you guys need to go check out our website. Like on your website, you did your, did you do your website or did you outsource it? I have professionals do that. <laughs> I I, but I designed your, it. Yeah, because I heard you say your graphic design, you, you taught yourself HTML. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, is she doing all this fabulous work? Oh, I wish. You know, early on I did my own website, but then it kept growing and growing. Yeah. And my vision for what I wanted it to do was way beyond my skill set. So then I, I drew it out on a sheet of paper. You know, I figured out what the architecture would be, what the design would be. I work with a designer to craft it and to bring that vision to life, just like I do with the books. Right. It's you know, I art direct the illustrations, but I want the artist to come with their unique vision too. And then I can hone it right. based on my own. So I don't like to dictate every single page of the book looks like this. You know, it's more like, this is what I'm thinking. Here's the energy I want it to have. Show me what you've got, and then we'll work with that. I want to tell you something that I'm so impressed about with you. And I, I'm not going to, like, bash other authors who I've heard say this, but I want to tell you I've heard it multiple times. I've heard um, authors, and they've even given me this as personal advice. They were like, Jennifer, don't let people know that you write different types of books because then you will look. <laughs> no, I was really told this. Yeah, me too. By a, a person who was picked up by Random House who has a six-figure deal, and he was like, don't tell people that you actually like paranormal and you like to write horror and you've got all these books banked. If you've done contemporary fiction and you've done, you know, sweet romance, you need to stay there and don't branch out. And I'm like, okay, thank you so much for the advice. And I smile and I go about and I continue to honor that story. I mean, I love (laughs) that about you. It's because you don't put yourself in this one box. 
you say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. And you've got your children's series, but you also have my bliss book. I would love for like, when did that happen for you? Oh, well, you know, I applaud you for not taking that bad advice, by the way. (laughs) I think it is because at first it kind of scared me because I trusted what, you know, I started hearing that and I started hearing it more often. And I'm like, am I following my own heart with this? Or am I going to listen to what they're saying? And then I'm like, no, I know that I have to give, you know, the voices, if you want to call them voices in my head, you know, like the, the characters, they have to have room on a page. I can't control if this one is going to be a supernatural book. You know, right. I can't control that. Let it be what it's supposed to be. And then I write Bible devotionals. And now I've got a romance book coming out. And it's, hey, people are going to love it. Then I might reach another audience. They might love that. Or they might yeah. love them all. I mean, I'm not going to ever let that stop me. I think that's very wise and also very brave because there is a lot of um, misguided advice, Mm -hmm. in my humble opinion, um, saying that thing. When I first announced I was going to write a romance novel, I was having a media interview and the the reporter asked me very snippily, have you ever seen anyone transition outside of the children's box into another genre? See, where is this coming from? Is this on a note card that they <laughs> And like, I said, it was almost like I was offending her. Like, you know, it was weird. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't understand the question because I don't believe in your box. Right. Sherry, let's take and take that note card and let's put it in a shredder. And let's, like, get rid of that now and just, like, strip that away from anybody's mind out there. Maybe that's what they need to hear right now. Because So you jumped and did – so did you do the My Bliss book or did you do your romance novel? Which which way did you start? You know, I – the Bliss book I had been working on for years. um, But it wasn't for commercial purposes. Like, I (laughs) – for my own usage, I had been researching all of these – um, great inspirational thought leaders. Some of them I was blessed to have as a mentor for a while, but others were ones I read their books and I was reading what works for them. And I was like, okay, I'm collecting all this list of great things that people do daily to like propel them forward in their lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was testing, I was using my own life as a construction site, you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, building things and seeing if it worked. And and if that held through, then I would keep it. And if it didn't work for me, I'd try something different. And I was trying different combinations of these things for years while I was building my author career. I was doing this all in the background. And I created this, um, what eventually became the bliss book. I had one sheet for weekly goals and actions. And then I had a daily sheet I would fill out. Now I just made those pages in word for myself. Mm -hmm. And I was having these, um, I used to call them powerhouse lunches, uh, with a friend of mine who was also an author and I I brought my sheets and I was like going through my list and I was like reading things off to her and she's like, what is that? And I was like, well, this is, this is something that I use every day. It's like a journal that I made. And she's like, wait a second, let me look at that. Let me get that. And she's (laughs) like, this is amazing. Like, is this how you're doing it? Is this how you're getting more done than anyone I know and having more fun? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it kind of is like whatever I find my process to be. She's like, I need that. Yeah. Everybody needs this. You need to make it a, a product. And I was like, really? 
you think other people use it? She's like, yes. yes. So then I was like, okay, well, let me, let me figure out what I want to create it. And I called it my bliss book. And, and actually it's really funny that we're talking about it because it came out a few years ago and I use it every single day. It's like literally open on my desk right now. <laughs> I'm looking right at it. In because my office. it works for you. That's it pr- works yeah. so well. And it, it works so, so well that I'm actually going to be issuing a second edition of it. And I'm adding content to it. Like I, I'm working on uh, a brand new book for next year, a personal development book. And I have some content that I'm really eager to share with people that I don't want to wait till next year to share it. Like things I've come to realizations about that have really worked for me to move the needle. And I'm going to weave it into the My Bliss Book Journal. And it's going to have a brand new, like it's completely reimagined. And I'm just so excited about it. That's going to come out later. This is the first time I've ever talked about it publicly, by the way. Um, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> but I think like, so for, with, for you, when you had your goals and you have your stuff, you know, you've got to have it. That's working for you. What works for me is the challenge. And so when I started my bucket list, all of this started for me. And so I challenge authors every day. I challenge them to research, to connect with the Holy Spirit, to connect with people and contact people and to have the courage to do it all. Like those are my four steps. I tell them that all the time on the podcast. And I think with me, the authors really that are listening to the podcast, they love that challenge because it can push them outside of their comfort zone. And I think the My Bliss book, is a good companion for them because then it can help them stay focused. I agree with you. And I think one of the most powerful things I learned that I wove into the book, I actually learned it from Jack Canfield, who, as you know, is like the co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul Mm -hmm. and the, the writer of The Success Principles and just an amazing human being. He taught me this thing. Uh, I call it the bold ask. And every single day, and I have it right there in the journal, I challenge myself to ask for something that I'm uncomfortable asking for. Love it. Now, it could be something simple like a better table at a restaurant or a better room at the hotel or something like that. Or it could be something really significant, really big and uncomfortable. Like, what would it take to be the cover girl in your magazine? Like that kind of ask. The bold but, ask. That is yes. bold. Yes. I love so that. I every love that day. Down, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So every day I learned it from him and then every day it's in my journal and I want to fill out, you know, all the all the little lines. So every day I challenge myself. And what happens is you end up becoming the person who automatically thinks that way. Mm-hmm. You're looking for opportunities. And and the way you ask makes a difference too. Okay. It's not just, can I have that or give that to me? It's what would it take? And then that puts the other person in a position of a hero. They can, mm-hmm. If there's something they could do, they're thinking, oh, well, if I could do it, what would it take? And they treat you very differently and the answer comes back different, especially if you ask without entitlement, which is right. important. Um, but it just makes you start thinking about like, if I could have anything, what would I want? And then how do I phrase a question around that? Mm -hmm. I did this, this podcast a couple of days ago because I ended up saying, Oh, you know what I would really love to have? It's on my list. I've had it on here forever. And as soon as I said it, somebody's like, Oh, I've got one of those in my closet. It's (laughs) You want it? I don't need it. See? And so, you know, but if I wouldn't have just spoken that out loud, and had the courage just to say it, I would have never got the thing that I really wanted and needed. 
Yeah. And it's like that bold. I love the bold ask. I love that. So I'm letting you know, I definitely want to get my bliss book. So <laughs> Thank that you. is on my order list. And now you've <laughs> got to tell us about the romance novel. So Oh, so yeah. I kept getting this. Um, it's so interesting. Like, so I was writing the children's books and I was having fun doing that. And then one day a friend took me to Beverly Hills and we had a great day. We made, we decorated cakes and then we went to the movie theater and we ate dinner in the theater and it was just super fun day. And when I got back the next morning, I had a very early call, but I was still in my pajamas and normally I was up and ready and whatever, but it was an international call. And, uh, I, I, I like ran upstairs 15 minutes before the call and I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to eat? I got to eat something. I'll be on the phone for two hours. Like, what am I going to do? And so I remembered this giant cake that I had made the day before. <laughs> oh my God. So I, got I love it. Cake. And I put it in a bowl and I ran back down and I got back under the covers and I'm in my pajamas. I'm on the conference call and I'm muting myself between my things. I'm like, yes, that is correct. And then I'll mute myself and then I'll take a bite of cake and I'll giggle, you know, and I was talking with my best friend after the call and, and he's like, Hey, how's your day? And I was like, my day's great. I started the day eating cake in bed, like while I was on this conference call, I felt so sneaky and delicious. You know? Right. And he says, cake in bed. That's a great title for a book or a movie. Oh. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. There I was we like, go. I wonder if anyone's ever written that yet. And I did a search and surely enough, no one had. So I bought the domain and I started thinking like, what would this story be? And I'm like, okay, it's definitely not a children's book. And I would get little pieces of dialogue while I was in the shower and like I'd write it down and I was just collecting little bits of it while I was promoting my, my children's books and speaking and growing the business in that way. And then finally, after two years of that, I was like, you know what, if I don't get serious about this book, I'm just going to be collecting snippets forever. Mm. And so I decided that for a year, and this was a very hard thing to do, but I think it was a lot, I learned a lot by doing it. I had to say no to anything that wasn't for my book, my body, or my business. Right. So you had to prioritize and, and really structure your time. Yes, because writing a novel is very hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. You do it. Yeah, you understand. But, but you, I love that you bought the domain oh, yeah. way before. And oh, it's yeah. like, I was like, I'm going to do something with this. You know, I'm telling you, that's again, you're honoring the story and the space it's living in. I've said this like three times when I'm on the phone, like on the phone with you, and I've never said those words before, but I really feel like that is your authentic writing self. Thank you. And so, yeah, yeah, so you bought the domain, you had to set time aside, and then once you did that, was it a challenge for you, or did you just start at it once you had your set time? It was really hard. I mean, it, it was so hard. Like I, I had to learn my own way of writing mm -hmm. um, because a lot of writers, they say, oh, I go to the busy coffee shop and I get so much done. Well, uh, yeah. So I'm like, all right, let me go give that a try. Right. <laughs> Didn't work, right? I'm totally distracted, yeah. like constantly. Like I like being there, but people, like, even if I have headphones on and I'm really like deep in concentration, people are very nice and they will come up and talk to me. Like they don't take any social cues from any of the things I'm doing and I never get anything done because I'd much rather talk to them than sit there with the paper, you know? <laughs> right, right. So I, uh, yeah, I tried that a lot. 
um, for a while I lived in a space that I could not write in and I didn't know why, like it just, the energy was really off. And I think because it was a darker, um, the, the way it was located, it was kind of like in the shadow and I need to be in the light. Like, so I just, I don't know, I couldn't write there. So I was constantly trying to find places to write. And then I discovered this beautiful resort called Terranea that's up in um, Palos Verdes in California. And it's absolutely gorgeous, completely gorgeous. Like it's on the cliff. They have a restaurant right there by the ocean. They have a gorgeous lobby. The concierge there was so nice to me. He'd always give me a glass of champagne when I came through the door. And I started writing there. And people did not come up and say something to me. Like, you know, like the people who worked there were very nice to me and they knew what I was doing. Like I was always giving them extra big tips at the restaurant because I could sit there a little longer. And, you know, when the book came out, I went there to celebrate and they gave me a free slice of key lime pie. You know, it was great. (laughs) Great. Everybody was excited. Like finally, (laughs) all this effort. Right. But I, I, and then I, once I moved, I sequestered myself in my apartment. Like I, you know, I would go do my workouts. I would go do my speaking engagements, but anything that was social, I wouldn't do it for a year. I didn't date for a year. Like I was just like, I've got to get this book out of me and I'm never going to finish it if I don't focus. So I gave myself that time. I had to find an editor to do romance novel. Like I, you know, I hadn't ever done that before. Had to find a cover designer. Didn't, you know, someone I hadn't worked with before. I had to do all those things and um, it stretched me in new ways. And when the book came out, people were like, aren't you worried that it's going to ruin your reputation as a children's author? And I was like, no, No. like I'm a multifaceted person. (laughs) Like I hope people understand that I am a woman. Like I'm not just a (laughs) child, like, you know, (laughs) right. And when we were doing the editing, like with the editor, gosh, that was so grueling. It was so hard. Mm -hmm. But I realized I had like one day I was like reading through the edits and I I was making more changes and I was like, this book is about self-love. Ah, All my stuff you. is that... about self-love. All of it. Uh, it hit you I... then though at the editing Yes. Part? Ah. Yes, at the end because I didn't know how it related. I wasn't sure, you know, I knew it wasn't a children's book, but I didn't know how it related to the, the grand scheme of things for me. And then when I made that connection, I was like, everything that I do is about loving yourself enough not to settle. But that's your heart. Yes. And so your heart is going to come out and it, it just, it, it could come out into a different character with a different, you know, cover with a different story, whether it's a different lexile, a genre, yeah. but that's your heart. Yes. And, and, you know, and it was fun to write it. It was fun to do something different. And I even had just recently, someone came up to me at a festival and they looked at my 10 books on the table and they're like, don't you have anything else? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I've given you 10 books. And she's like, yeah, but I read Cake in Bed and I really loved it. And I want to know what happens next. Oh. And I was like, really? Oh, my gosh. That's so great. You know? Um, so you don't take Cake in Bed with you? I do. depends on the event. Okay. If right. it's a children's festival. Right. I don't put it on the table. I do have them. So sometimes people will say, oh, my gosh, I really wanted to get that book today. And I'm like, oh, cool. I have it. Good. Yeah. But if, it, but if it's a book festival, you know, just not just children's, then yes, it lives on the table, too. And so it just depends. So they're asking you what's next. I'm asking you what's next for you. <laughs> are you, are you going to, so I, you called them like the pantsers and everything. I say I'm a gardener. 
because I'm from the south and I think about my grandma's garden because I've got a lot of things that are on my plate. And so what's next for you? Well, I'm finalizing illustrations on a book that's going to come out in September. Um, And that book is really special. It's called The Little Dragon. And The Little Dragon, he is dealing with anger for the first time. And he's learning how to express it in healthy ways and have uh, respect for other people and be open to sharing. Mm-hmm. So it. those are, I think are really important messages for, for everyone, not just children, but to plant those seeds early on. And he's adorable. And I just can't wait for, for kids to fall in love with him. That'll be my 11th book. And then I'm writing this personal development book. I've been working on it for a year now. Um, I will probably focus on that more at the end of the year. I have a re-release coming out of For my the, first book. The My the Bliss little, book. Are you going to, um, are you, oh, you're talking about The Little Rose? Yes. The okay. Little Rose has a second edition that will be debuting hmm, June. I haven't officially announced that yet either. I have all these oh. things. Like I'm, they're all stacked up. Like they're in, in the pipeline. But my husband, so once I met my husband, which by the way, I met serendipitously through following my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, we met at an author festival at a school. We were, there were 22 authors and we met backstage and he told me later, much, much later after we got engaged that he knew that day he was going to marry me. My husband did the same thing for, with me. That's and, awesome. And I will tell, I will tell you, y'all are absolutely adorable. If I can call adult married couples adorable, <laughs> I'm calling y'all adorable right now. You do it. On the Thank record. you. I just, I love y'all already. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But you met him because you went after the author world. Yeah, because we were both children's authors. And, and so you can thank that lady at your first conference. <laughs> because if she maybe wouldn't have brought that up. You're a writer. Yeah. And then the second conference, oh, so you're a writer. And then you could say, I am a writer. Mm-hmm. And now meeting him behind the scenes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we fell in love and we got married and then we formed our company and uh, we changed the name because my company was originally the Whimsical World of Sherry Fink. And we changed it now to Whimsical World because it incorporates everything that the two of us are doing. Like mine was really about inspiring and empowering kids and planting the seeds of self-esteem. And his was really about having kids fall in love with reading because they're having so much fun and they end up becoming higher achievers because of it, because they're, they're inspired to write themselves. So we took the best of both of our worlds and put it into one. And now that we're um, growing that together, he has his production calendar too. So he has a book coming out on April 30th and then you know, then we have my re-release of the little rose. Then we have, um, <laughs> it's just like, they're all stacked in the queue. Then the little dragon comes in September. Then he's got another amazing picture book coming out in October. And then my bliss book will most likely have the re-release in November, right in time for Thanksgiving and the holidays and mm-hmm. the new year. And then, you know, going into the, the new year, we have other books planned too. But I think the most exciting thing is that we're really um, we're really pushing up against the boundaries of what defines a children's author. And that's exciting because I get bored easily. I think that's one of the reasons why marketing was always a good place for me because online marketing is unpredictable. (laughs) It's always changing. And I always want to be innovating. I always want to be evolving and taking it to the next level. And um, people love our booth set up at events, Mm -hmm. but I got to tell you, 
I have a vision for what that booth is going to look like in a few years, and it's going to freaking blow people away. They're not even going to believe it. Like I can't wait. I can't. It's going to be so good, and you know, I can't wait either. I'm very excited about it. So our live experiences, like we're really um, ramping that up because we want to connect with people on such a, a level. Like I always want it to be magical, meaningful, and memorable. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can achieve those things. That's when you make the biggest difference with someone because it's not just like, oh, that was interesting or that was fun. It's like that touched me on a level I didn't know existed. Like that was a cute book or that was the, uh, that was a powerful message that can really change my mindset. Yeah. Like that made me think. But you, you're creating that safe space where it feels magical that then they can open up and receive the message. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I always just want to be having fun doing it. It's a lot of work, especially behind the scenes, I believe. but, but it's worth it. And when you get that moment to shine and show someone else that they can shine too, mm-hmm. everything's worth it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So tell everybody how they can connect with you and follow you. Oh, well, you can visit my website at www.sheriefink.com. You can also visit me on Facebook at Sherry Fink Fan and at Whimsical World Books. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at S-H-E-R-I underscore F-I-N-K and at Whimsical World Books. And so where do you spend your most time online? Or does it so they could so somebody wanted to reach out to you, they can message you on a platform and you've got it. Yes. I'm mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, those are your two. Okay. Yeah, those are, I mean, LinkedIn's really powerful too. That's really been growing a lot in the last think, few years. I think so too. And I meet the greatest people there, like I met you there. So I, I think it's a place where authors should spend time. I agree. Um, there just aren't as many people on it yet. Well, I've been coaching authors, and what I have found is that podcasters are there, you know, entertainment people are there. That is a good way to make some of those professional connections with people. Even like the professional bloggers like to do blog tours and things like those are places where you can reach to them instead of just DMing them on Twitter. That's true. You know, it's, it's like it, it ups the level a little bit when you're trying to reach out to them on that professional site because they know you're there for business. Like, exactly. Well, it's not, hey, what's up? You know, I love your work. <laughs> it's like, hey, this is, you know, let's partner up. I'd love to have you or, or could I be on your show or this or that? You know, so it's like a business platform. And so yeah. I think for people that are building their, their brand and building themselves up, LinkedIn is the place. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I like it. So I just want to tell you how much I truly love what you're doing. And I'm inspired by you. And, and I just, I follow your work. Um, I follow, like when I found you on LinkedIn, you just, just sparkle. Seriously. I know that's like a generic term. Everybody probably says that about you, but you have this true light about you. Thank and you. I, and I love the way that I see the children around you, that that speaks more than any review of a book to me could ever speak because you are truly changing the lives of the people that you're interacting with. I know that for a fact. I can say that because Thank I, you. I can see that with, you know, with what you're putting up. I can just see it. I know it. I know it through the screen. And then when you have those moments that you've shared with us, your story, like, like you said, divine appointment, divine appointment. 
So, guys, we challenge you to go out and write something inspiring today and share it with the world. So thanks for joining us on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day. And thank you, Miss Sherry. Thank you. Good luck on everything. Thank you. Everything. Thanks. All right. Bye. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. If you're looking for my challenge devotionals on Amazon, go right on over and type in Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry and you'll see my 30-day everyday mom challenge, my 30-day teacher challenge, fingerprint curriculum for my homeschool families, and one that's closest to my heart is the Happy Renewal Year challenge devotional. I dare you to go and check them out today. You can also find that they're on Kindle Unlimited because I want you guys to have access. I often put them up for free uh, promotional items. I'll do countdowns. Um, so that way you can grab one. You can gift them with a friend. You can share them out on your sites. And people can go on this journey with us. In December of 2019, look out for the release of my author challenge devotional. I'm looking forward to that one and sharing it with you.